quit being the world's best kept secret. Your time is now. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we bring you inspiring guests from around the world that will inspire, motivate, and educate you to live rich from the inside out. Today was a special guest because I was preparing to be on Angel um, Wickedly Smart Women podcast, and the the show that I picked had our guest tonight, Diane Halfman, and just a phenomenal story. And I only had listened to the first 10 minutes and I'm like, okay, she's got to come on the show. So I'm really excited to share her with you. Diane Hathman was an undercover cop for the San Diego Police Department, where she experienced unique perspective of life behind the scenes. Diane took her years of experience to pioneer the creation of her own company called Spa Life, which stands for Seek Power Always. And I love that. As the host of Live your Spa Life podcast. As a reset specialist, Diane Hafman travels the country speaking, consulting, and conducting workshops dedicated to helping overwhelmed women entrepreneurs, corporate leaders move from life of emergency to a life of emergence. So welcome to the show, Diane. Incredible story. I was watching one of your videos actually last night and just so empowering to hear um, just that internal struggle, the growth within, and uh, really stepping into this Seek Power Always messaging. And I just couldn't wait to hear more. So I'm really glad to have you on the show. So thank you for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Deborah. It's great to be here. I, I love what you're up to. And I think that we just need to have more positive messaging, uh, more role models, and uh, you know, good resources. And thank you for providing that. Awesome. And let's showcase you tonight. Um, so I was really curious because, you know, um, first of all, when, when I was listening to your story, when you were saying that, you know, you were saying goodbye to your daughters and going to work and then having to be an un undercover prostitute. I know the stories aren't similar, but I remember one moment where I had learned how to drive a standard and my husband was questioning me saying, you know, how did you forget everything I just taught you? And it was the moment that, you know, I kissed each one of my kids and I was like, he's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm kissing the kids in case I don't come back when I drive into the parkade with my standard. And he goes, you know, there is a break. I said, I get it. But this is how comfortable I feel. And, you know, you never know. So right. that moment of you doing that, you know, although it has different levels, that that moment where you know that you don't know if you're coming back. You don't know what's going to happen. And it's really important, I think, for people to put it into perspective that to live your life fully. And that's why I was so right. drawn to seek your power always. So how does your experience as an undercover prostitute help you with your clients today? 
Oh, thanks, Deborah. That's such a, a great question because, you know, a lot of times people look at, like, how do those two things even connect? And I used to think about that myself, especially once I retired from the department. It was like, how do I utilize some of these skills? And I realized some of my most developed skills happen while I was undercover. I was able to have situational awareness, like seeing what's happening around me, making quick decisions, uh, being able to trust my instincts was really, really important. And I started to see particularly women leaders about they would make great decisions and they would be really successful. But then when it came to some of the bigger decisions, they would make them, but then they would second guess themselves. And then they would maybe not make question, you know, as quick a decision and on things that they were doing because they were thinking of so many other things. And that's one of the things I've noticed a lot um, between uh, a lot of, of male executives is that they'll make a decision and they'll just move through it and they'll fail through it, right? And even though women will do that, we will tend to beat ourselves up more about it. Like, you know, if there was a better way or how could I not see something? And instead of making those decisions and moving through with it. So when I was undercover, I didn't have the luxury of you know, mulling it over or see if there was a better time or see what was going on. I had to make really quick decisions and trust myself, not only for my safety, but for the safety of people around me. So when you really build up some of those skills, then you are able to start building that habit and that pattern of trusting that you're making the best decision with the information you have in the moment and you can always pivot later. See, one of the things that I find with um, making those quick decisions, feeling moving on instinct, because really that's what you're you're doing, being able to put, really trust yourself in that moment, but knowing at the same time that you know, as watching, you know, family members who are police officers as well and friends that you know that surveillance around you of your risks. What is it that women, you know? We are so busy thinking about, you know, how everyone else is going to feel about our decision. We want to make sure everybody's okay with it, where sometimes a man will just make the decision and, as you said, fail forward. What is it that women are doing? Because, you know, I've caught myself a few times like, well, I want to make everybody's okay. You're kind of responsible for everybody else's feelings. And what you're actually doing is giving away your power. One of the things I think happens uh, with women is they aren't necessarily clear about what their boundaries are and about what their values are. And, how and so when you know what those are, you can make decisions that either move you forward in what you're doing or can hold you back. When women second guess themselves, and, and men too, it's not just women, but you know, predominantly when that happens, it's because you want to make everyone else happy and you're looking at everyone else's values and their life. But when you do that, you're not living your own life. You're not standing in your own power. You're just letting it leak and letting it get away. And it's not about being rigid in how you're thinking. It's about being clear about what is important to you, what is moving you and your business forward. And when you know what those are and you're clear and being in those boundaries, you can make yes and no decisions much faster because you know what you're weighing them up against. If you're kind of wishy-washy about it and you are allowing what everyone else thinks and you are comparing yourself to someone who you feel maybe has more experience or other type things that, that you are feeling less than, then you're not standing in that power and you're not making those decisions based on that. So you got to see how are you showing up. And what, it, what do you have kind of in your back pocket and realize that your experience 
is so unique because of how you learned it, how you did it, and that you are the expert in that. And so you can stand more confidently in that and not second guess yourself in making those decisions. One of the things is, you know, I really want people to go to your website and watch the videos because when I was, you know, watching your story, um, I'm really curious for you to share a little bit here about, you know, when you realize that you are undercover in your own life and how things showed up for you. And it was really made me think about, okay, you know, we look at the perfect picture. And when we're doing that comparison, you know, we're looking at a moment of time, but we only see that moment. We don't see the full picture behind the doors with the open windows. Right. So can you share with the audience a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, one of the things I really learned when, because I also worked uniform patrol and I was a person who answered 911 calls like all night long. And so I've been in thousands of homes and I've seen people at their worst. And so when you see that over and over again, you see, you know, it could be a beautiful house you're walking up to and you have no idea what kind of chaos that's happening behind the doors. Uh, you could be in, you know, maybe a rundown neighborhood and you walk inside and things are really great inside the house, right? So we don't know what things really look like from the outside and not just physically, but also, you know, internally. And so I talk about that people live three different lives. There is your public life, the one that everyone sees you doing, maybe in your job, maybe watching us on the podcast, and they have certain assumptions about who we are. And then our private life, those are things that, you know, our family or our close friends know about us. And then there is our undercover life. And I believe everyone has an undercover aspect to their life where it's that part of you that you hope to God no one finds out about you. You know, that those insecurities or those things that, that you hold back on or there's things that you just hope people don't find out about. And when we live from that place, there is that fear factor that happens. And in part of my story, so when I was a police officer and I was in, in uniform, I would have these times that I, you know, because I was a single mom and I had two young daughters at home where I felt timid of being able to make my mortgage payment and make that work versus the time when I was at work where I needed to be really strong and make, you know, decisions and help other people. And so sometimes that felt incongruent and that was part of my undercover life, not only with my daughters, but also uh, in relationships where I would maybe not choose a great partner and I would be embarrassed that I should make a better decision. And so these are all the ways that we don't show all of our experience, but when we look back, it's all of those experiences that allow us to make better decisions, to learn from them, to be able to help people. And when I do consulting, I can take all of those things and see a bigger picture and recognize that in other people to allow them to then have the awareness of what's happening in their undercover lives so that they can be more transparent and they can show up more as a true, real, authentic person. So how do you help them deal with some of that negative self-talk? Because a lot of, you know, those choices came from, you know, fear-based, right? If they're fear-based, they're going to make decisions based on their fears versus a time when they feel more confident. Right, right. Well, I think one of the most important things to do is to realize you are not your thoughts. In fact, uh, I think there's a great uh, experiment to be able to any of that negative self-talk that's happening within you, if you can give it a name, 
then you can separate yourself from those negative thoughts. So, you know, let's just say that that person you're going to say is, is Alice. And sorry for anyone whose name's Alice listening to the show. But let's just say those negative self-talk is her name is Alice. So when they come up, you can separate yourself and go, Alice, you know, thanks for sharing, trying to protect me. However, that is not true. And when you have some separation, it can feel kind of crazy at first. But when you actually have that conversation, you can separate yourself from it and notice that maybe it's giving you some information, but you don't have to act from that place. And so I always talk about, you know, your your mind is a, is a bad neighborhood. Don't go in there alone. Have, have the tools to separate out what's truly you and what are just negative thoughts that you need to recognize and separate and then act from the place that's truly you and not from the negative self-talk. That's very powerful because I think, you know, when we keep it as one versus have that separation and, you know, name it. Naming it is something that you can probably tell off as well if you needed to, to, you know, say, I'm not accepting this right. and it's not okay. You know, I think it's Les Brown who says sometimes you just got to stand up within yourself and just say, stop it. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. So how do you help people move through crisis? Well, the first thing is, is to identify that you are actually in a crisis. And I think that what happens is that for because we all have different experiences, what could be a no big deal to one person can be an extreme crisis for another. So there's a continuum of being in a crisis. And sometimes even the word itself, crisis or chaos, can feel so extreme to somebody that they don't identify it as being crisis. Sometimes it's just uncertainty. Like if you look at just things that have been happening in the world just over the last you know several years, uh, you know some people would say that hey this is uncertain, and other people would say it's a full blown crisis. So what you what I do is I help people look at the different types of crises that are out there. How are you reacting to them? How are, do you have the tools to help you move through it? And when you have that recognition, you can then, you know, use it as a, as a platform to shift and change and look at things in, in a different way. So helping them identify what the crisis is, uh, what, you know, there's six different types that I look at of those types of crises, and then we walk through them. And it's even helpful to look at what are some uncertainty or crisis or chaos that's happened in your past because those are great indicators to see how did you move through that, right? Because once you've moved through something that is challenging, you are then building your resilience, your stamina, your grit to be able to get through anything because, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so when you look at that really hard thing, what were some of the things that got me through? What are the, some of the things that I would have done differently? And you use that as your, yourself be completely different of how somebody else does. So you have to build up your own stories and your own fortification to be able to move through anything. And, you know, I think it's how we pay attention to the narrative, that story that we're telling ourselves um, that really shifts how we approach life. So I love how you address that. So tell us a little bit more about what spa life is. Yes, uh, love that. So uh, as I mentioned, you know, you had mentioned earlier about the spa life is an acronym, right? And so uh, the SPA in spa life is for seek power always. And one of the things that I love about that is uh, there's a lot of different meanings to it for me because spa life is, I look at it as spa life as being a lifestyle. Uh, where accomplishment and harmony coexist. Like it's all the different aspects of you. And so many, so much time we, we only judge our success, <clears throat> excuse me, based on like our business uh, or our family, but we don't see how it all ties together. And I look at spa life as it's looking at 
you know, are you out in nature? What is your spirituality? You know, what are your relationships looking like? You know, what is your health like? All of those things add up to the life that you want to live. And so in spa life, so often we look to the outside world and define ourselves with what's happening out in the world. So, you know, we can look at the, um, you know, 2020 pandemic and look at it as an example of people looked at outside circumstances and allowed that to determine whether they were going to be, you know, depressed or sad or not connect with people or not take care of their health in the way that they know that they can, right? And so it deflated them because they were looking at to the outside world. Well, if you're looking at seek power always, it's not the power that happens outside of the world. It's the power within you. And it's when things are crazy on the outside that it can be that much more challenging to actually look inside and go, what do I actually believe? What is, you know, where can I, you know, get the fortification within myself to get through anything? And, you know, for me, there wasn't a lot of shifts or changes that happened. Uh, you know, through that time, because I knew my boundaries, I knew my strength, I knew what what freedom was to me, I knew how I was going to move through. And that's how I helped a lot of my clients move through that as well and go, are you feeling a sense of loss or depression because of things that you're listening to? I mean, are you listening to negative things all the time, all day long? You're going to start feeling negative and having those things happen. So when you're committed to live a spa life where you're trusting your own inner tuition, your, your wisdom, your power that you have within you, right? It's like being that, that force for good. So one of the things I just, I love to talk about with spa life is that it's, it's a lifestyle and that is that accomplishment and harmony coexist. One of the things that is so great is that the spa and spa life, the SPA is for seek power always. And it's that power within you. And when you look at life from a place of you're not looking at the outside world to validate you, to help you get through things, you're always checking in with yourself first, you're going to always stand in a more powerful position. You know, I talk a lot about, you know, the pandemic, you know, people were feeling depressed and, and even suicidal and feeling a lot of chaos and, and craziness that was happening. And a lot of it had to do with what they were listening to and what they were buying into without really checking in with themselves or doing some of the things that would increase their immunity, that would make them feel better. They would forget what are some of those things that they could make themselves happy. And so when you look at living your spa life, it's getting that power within you so you can live that life that you have that foundation which has a ripple effect. It allows other people to realize their strength and their power and it has you know, that, that coexistence that happens uh, that allows you to be that light that you wanna be in the world. And I think it's fascinating, you know, people don't realize all the external influences that are affecting the way they're thinking and then performing and showing up in life. And not only the external influences, but the internal influences that they've had from childhood or beliefs that they're holding. I was listening to a radio station the other day and they were talking about the beliefs of wives tales. And then suddenly when you become an adult, you know that some of those wives tales you've kicked to the curb because you no longer believe them. But it's fascinating some of the things that we hang on to as beliefs without even questioning them. Right, right. Well, and some of the things that we get passed down is that, you know, they're partial truths, right? You know, that's the thing of time period and how they, you know, were raising their children or how they were teaching lessons, you know, maybe not doesn't apply today. And so you're taking it at that whole, you know, whether it was in your parents or at school or whatever those things are, 
And you have to have that discernment and trust. You know, if something doesn't line up for you, what is your truth? Where are you showing up from? And that's why we always have to do our own research on anything and come up with our own belief system of what things work and what things don't work. And, and I, I challenge my grandkids with this when they're at school and they're learning things. And I'm like, you know, don't just believe what somebody's teaching you because they're the authority person. You know, research it for yourself. See if you've got some questions. You know, when you ask those questions, it allows you to really start building what it is that's true about you. And then you can trust yourself better. And then you can make decisions from that place. Yeah. And, you know, it's so important. I don't know. And I love that you're doing that because I think so much we need to teach that we need to come from a place of curiosity and not just automatically to resign to what other people think and not have that discernment. So I'm, I'm curious, where do you see women giving away their power? Well, I believe that they give it away mostly in decision making, which is really interesting because, you know, uh, because they're concerned about either what their team members think or maybe what their clients think or what their family members think, that it has them waver sometimes in their decision making, which is why sometimes there's a lot of extra stress or uh, chaos around decision making. And so when you're trying to be a people pleaser and you're trying to, you know, make everyone happy and make your decisions around that, then you are giving your power away and making those decisions because you're leaking that power. You're letting everyone else make their decisions and then coming from that place. And, and I've noticed that uh, it can affect a lot of teams, especially uh, in, in corporate teams that I've worked with where the leader wants everyone to feel good and to everyone to get along. But when you aren't really clear about the decision making and you're waffling on it, you're sending mixed signals to your team and that diffuses, you know, how it is that, that you're showing up. And so, and that's a form of, of giving your power away. So you want to be really clear around what is your, uh, What's your culture look like in your business, whether you're in, in corporate or you're an entrepreneur? Like, what are your values? What do you stand for? And when you're clear about that and that ripples out to your, your clients and your team, then they know what you're making decisions against. And it's helpful for everyone to be on the same page. And I can see how this also ripples into their family life of when they can ensure that their voice is heard. Because I know sometimes when they um, women get into the role of mom and you know, wife and all of this, they come from a place that they've lost their identity when they're pulled in wearing so many different hats, let's say. Right. That's so important. I, I love that you brought that up, Deborah, because so when it comes to values, you know, people will make their own individual values or their corporate values, but they don't necessarily look at, you know, their family values or their relationship values. And so when things come up, we will act from our own values, but we're not necessarily looking at what is the value of the relationship. And so you want to get clear about what those are so that when you're making decisions in a family, you can then look at, okay, what do we stand for? What's the most important thing? Is the decisions, you know, they aren't as difficult of a decision to make when you're weighing them against those values. And so when you get really clear about what those are, then, you know, it's easy to decide, okay, this is what we stand for. This is a yes. Okay. This is not what we stand for. It's a no. So it helps you in your boundaries. It helps you get really clear in who you are and who you are in your relationships and in your business. So what I really hear throughout this interview, Diane, is that, you know, when we have boundaries and we're really clear on what it is that we want for ourselves and therefore seeking power always 
then you can ultimately create a life and career business, whatever it is that you want, that's going to be strong and powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So why is environment greater than willpower? I know, you know, we, we hear a lot about willpower and people thinking, you know, I can't push through some of the challenges I'm facing and, you know, I don't have enough willpower to make the shift or make the change. How, how does environment play a factor? Well, it's, it's actually so important because I think as a, you know, as a person, we think that we can, you know, push through anything, right? And have that willpower and make it happen. And, and a great thing to look at is New Year's resolutions, right? I mean, I think they're uh, done by like the first 72 hours where they're out because people are trying to push through things and they don't have something that's anchoring them to move forward. And your environment is that anchor. So uh, let's say your your space, right? So if you are wanting to have a, a business, a thriving business, what is in your environment? What's in your office? You know, what are the things, is there things that are inspiring to you? You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, I would go into people's homes and I would help them look at their space as well as their business to see, is it an environment that is allowing them to thrive in their business? You know, if there's a lot of clutter and you can't find papers and you can't, you know, it doesn't feel inspiring. I found that a lot of my clients weren't doing their business in their office because they hated the space. The ones that were thriving and doing well, there was, it was well lit. There were things that were really working and uh, it was something where the environment was pulling them into the success. Uh, the same thing around diet, like, you know, if you really want to make a shift and change in your diet, you only want to have things in your space that are, you know, wholesome for you, that are really great for you, that have the environment for you to be successful in your health. If you've got, you know, uh, junk food or things in there, it, it's only a matter of time. And, you know, sometimes people will trick themselves, oh, it's for my family or my kids or guests or whatever that are there, right? But if you are stressed enough or you're hungry enough, you're going to go to that because it's in your environment. So we want to look at every space of our environment. And is, is it pulling us towards what we want in life? Is it allowing us to stand in our power? Are we able to make good decisions? Or is it just confusion and distraction and things that are around us that aren't helping us? Because we can have great intentions with willpower, but ultimately it's your environment that's going to allow you to actually make forward progress. So there's definitely that push and pull phenomena going on. But without having that resistance, you know, by creating those spaces, people can really start thriving without having that pushing feeling that they're, you know, shoved into it versus more of a drawing forward. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it works every time. That's fascinating. And I, I think people take it for granted, even the cars they drive or how clean their car is inside. You know, I, one of the mentors that I've ever had, he said, you know, if I ever ask you to pick me up, and your car is filthy inside, it tells me how your mind is, right? Absolutely. So it's fascinating that people take those little things for granted. Right, right. Well, and the other thing too is that, uh, you know, clutter is a form of protection, you know, just like weight. So extra weight on our body kind of pushes people away to not get close to us. And these are all subtle subconscious things that happen. Clutter is also a way where it's physical barrier of things where it allows you to hide. It goes back into that undercover life, right? What are the things that we're hiding from? You know, if we have clear open spaces, so everything has, you know, a, a ripple effect as far as what we're allowing in our space and what it actually looks like. So I, I love that, that analogy about your car and your mind. I mean, everything is a reflection in your space. Yeah. 
So Diane, how can people learn more about you? I know also there's the proof and other things that you have on your website. Please tell us more about how people can stay in touch with you. Oh, thank you, Deborah. Well, definitely you can go to my website, dianehaffman.com. We've got uh, some free gifts there, uh, my videos there. You can look at my podcast, Live Your Spa Life uh, on there. Our current theme on there is a force for good. So I've just had some really great people on there uh, who are being a force for good in the world. Uh, and one of the things is that, you know, we talked a lot here about crisis and about where you are. And so you can actually pick up my crisis resource. Uh, you can just go to dianehaffman.com uh, forward slash crisis, and you can go through the checklist there and see like, you know, are you in crisis? How do you identify it? You know, you can be able, because once you can actually have some awareness around where you are and how much maybe things in the world have been affecting you more than you actually have, you can start building those tools to build your resilience, to actually show up in the world and stand more in your power. So getting that would be a great start. Thanks so much. And I'll make sure everything is in the show notes, also her social media contacts as well. Um, I, I actually switched things around. I have two last questions for you. Um, one is, what is one book that has had a significant impact in your life? Ah, oh, I love books, especially now that they have audiobooks. I feel like I can actually go through more now and, and love them. One of my favorites is The uh, Four Spiritual Laws of Prosperity by Edwin Gaines. Uh, I find that to be just an amazing book about where you you give you know, to your, your tithing of what that looks like. And it shifted for me because I grew up thinking tithing was something that you only gave to churches. But I love her definition in there where it talks about you tithe to the people, places, or things that allow you to spiritually grow. And that really shifted for me because where I, you know, our company gives, you know, 10% in, in philanthropy, uh, but it, a lot of times it's to a person, it's to an organization, it's to those things that actually inspire me because the energy of that continues to have that grow and go on. So that's always been a very inspiring book for me. That's amazing. I've never read that book, so I'm going to have to add it to my list of books to read and get a hold of. I love that how that, because uh, it really is about that personal growth as well and feeling really good about what you're giving to and not feeling like that's the only way that you can give. And, right, uh, right. One of the uh, other things, go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, it came to the top of my head too that, um, you know, I, I recently had Mark Victor Hansen and his wife, Crystal, who uh, co-created a book together called Ask. And I think it would be so great for just entrepreneurs and people in general who just, what are the questions that we're asking ourselves? We were talking about being in our mind and how things look like and has some really great stories in there and about uh, even just some visualization and how to ask right to do the big ask the bigger ask and so there's some really great resources in there and it's also just a, a fun story to read through um i would definitely say check that out excellent and they've been on my show too so make sure that you go over to your podcast and my podcast when uh, mark and chris have been on the show fabulous totally different storylines as to what we talk about so it will be a benefit to everyone my final question for you is what, what it means to me to live from rich from the inside out is that I trust myself. I trust my own inner wisdom, my intuition, and that I 
access my own power, that I live from my own power. And when I do that, I am living within my values. I am living my best life. And that ripples out to give other people permission to live their own life together. Very powerful and totally aligned with, you know, I want people to, you know, check out Diane Hafnan, Spa Life, Seek Power Always. Very powerful statement. And whenever in doubt, I'm, I'm just going to give this plug. I don't know if this is something that you teach, Diane, is I think people need to put a post-it note on their mirror, um, on the visor of their car, on their steering wheel, in their wallet, to make sure that they have that control in their lives, to seek power always. So I, I love the theme that you, you work with. I love the messaging that you support people with so that they can truly step into the lives that they're meant to live. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Millionaire Woman Show. Uh, thank you, Deborah. It was great to be here. Thanks so much. And for everyone listening, please go over to my website at www.debrakazowski.com where you're getting your free video course on making habits stick right now before we change things up to build that focus and consistency in your life and knock those goals out of the park. Now, if you're interested in coaching, you can also DM me as there as well at Deborah at debrakazowski.com and I read all my emails and don't forget to hit the bell if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the show, rate and review and you know give us some feedback about this interview. Diane and I have had such a great conversation and I would love to connect you again. I'm going to put everything in the show notes because um, she just has a very powerful message that I want to bring out to the world and we would love to hear from you as well. So um, as Muhammad Gandhi says, be the change you wish to see in the world. And on behalf of Diane and myself, go out and make today great. <laughs>